right, welcome to Flipping Tables, episode 004, or our fifth episode. <laughs> I'm thinking somewhere in the teens you're going to give up on that, but I'm not... <laughs> I'm not holding out. I'm just, that's like my prediction. So, what's on the docket today? You're not going to introduce yourself? All right, I'm Mike Edwards. There you go. <laughs> I'm David Lyons. See? It's not so hard. Uh, so, I think today um, we were going to talk, because we, we've been talking a lot about Google. So, this, I think it came up originally because I just posited the question to you could you live without Google, right? And then in response to that, you sent me a snapshot of your home screen, which is basically all Google. <laughs> and, and so you use an iPhone, right? Yeah. And I think that that says something. Like, you want the Apple hardware, you got your fancy thumbpad reader <laughs> thing. You don't have the champagne one, now it's white. Right, right. <laughs> you should, I'm not all blingy. <laughs> you should. You need to get the champagne one and then uh, bedazzle it. Just a bedazzled <laughs> case or maybe bedazzle the bezel. Um, but, right, so you have, let's see, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of your icons. Yeah, nine out of 20 on yeah. the home screen. Yeah, and that and that's including the clock, the phone, <laughs> the camera, like things that are not really inherently Apple esque, right? <laughs> They're just built native to the OS, so yeah. you're not going to replace them. In probably. fact, if you don't count the native OS apps, you have no Apple apps. I guess the music one is is pretty distinctly Apple, right? Right, it's iTunes. Yeah. Um, but the camera, I don't think there's anything Apple-y about it. The calendar is... No, there's more Microsoft <laughs> App Store apps on the home screen. Oh, my God, that's true. There's one. There's my work email. But, but still, the fact that there are any, a Microsoft app, an Outlook app, has made it onto your device. So so let's let's think. So I, I'd say I'm just nostalgic for the old days when Apple and Google weren't didn't hate Angry each other. with each other. <laughs> and actually, I'm thinking about it. The calendar app, do you use iCal or do you sync to Google Calendar? Well, I don't... You mean the iCloud calendar? Yeah. Yeah, I don't use the iCloud calendar. So, yeah, it's, it's Google Calendar. Yeah, yeah, so that one doesn't even really count. Like, it's the <laughs> Apple app, but none of it is Apple data or Apple services. So, if you had to... Cause I, so I listened to another show where one of the hosts is from the Mozilla Foundation, and she's really pro like indie web and ownership of your data. And that's, I don't, that's not a good fit for Mozilla at all. No, of course not. But it, I just feel like. Do you feel like there's a creepiness with Google knowing so much about you? Like, are they going to come into your house and, I don't know, force ads on you? I think so far it's it's benevolent. Benevolent <laughs> dictatorship? But, the, I don't know, there's there's always the potential, but... Well, is that the fear that you can't get it back once they've gone insane and evil? They're like, oh, now that we have all of your information, we're actually supervillains who've been building robots from the future... I mean, they just bought a uh, a robotics company. The joke is that this, like, Google is going to become Skynet. Like, every time they acquire some kind of high, cutting-edge tech company, there's a, just a flood of tweets. It's like, Google is now Skynet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any company could become evil, I suppose. But I haven't... It's really all speculative, I feel. I mean, yeah, they're an ad company. Yeah, they're bread and butter is collecting data and not like humanly looking at it but having right having algorithms that mine that and make decisions and do, you th do you think it helps that they've been so upfront about that because i remember okay so uh, do you know the scroogled campaigns yeah. okay i'll i'll throw up some some links to those because they're really funny and terrible um but so the scroogled campaign is a Microsoft ad campaign, which I found out is actually 
the guy who was in charge of Hillary Clinton's campaign okay. when she was so this is politics <laughs> yeah when she was trying to get the Democratic nod um, six or seven years ago I guess uh, he ran her campaign and was fired because his ads were terrible. <laughs> So that's the same guy that Microsoft was then like, yeah, we want to associate ourselves with his powerful brand image. So, so the Scroogled campaign, they talk about – they had one that was Gmail Man um, and he you know, was a guy wearing like a Google colored tie or T-shirt or something and he literally like fingered through your mail – to you know, it was it was the personification of all the creepy algorithmic stuff that Google does, and I can't remember where I first heard Even it. Though the new Outlook does the same thing. Well, that's exactly <laughs> it, right? So I I don't remember who first brought it to my attention, but any kind of spam filter is algorithmically checking your mail. Like yeah. it just there. Uh, There's the no only other way. other way would be a human. <laughs> To literally sit there and be like, nah, I don't think he needs to hear about this Viagra pills. <laughs> right? So it, it seems really disingenuous of Microsoft to be like, oh, no, we don't check your mail. Google checks your mail. And what they're really saying is we don't check your mail f- so that we can serve you ads, but we totally scan through every single piece of email you get. And they do serve ads based on them in the free Outlook web. Oh, do they now? Yeah, there's ads. Okay, because the Scroogled campaign, I think, predates that. Probably. Yeah, but it, so that, that's, I, it's, I guess it's a good thing they abandoned that campaign <laughs> since <laughs> they've now done a 180. But, I mean, this is my point, is like with Google, they say, hey, if you give us information about you, we can use our powerful mathematics and engineering to give you useful stuff. So they're very upfront about what they're doing. Do you think that engenders the trust? Or is it just so convenient that people are like, I don't even care what you're doing? I think for me, it's I more just wonder if there's going to be a time eventually where their business model doesn't always lead to great free stuff <laughs> like if, if it's ever going to conflict with the part of their business model that makes them want to do stuff that makes us happy as web users well, and, I would say the first step of that is probably going to be losing the free part right because well, I mean, it seems like so they're they, pretty determined to not lose that as much as possible because they want data on as many people as possible. I agree with that, but I think they're moving into the hardware space a little bit more is going to necessitate giving up. The, I mean, they can't give away free cars, but, right? They can't give away Nest thermostats. But they are doing loss leaders to get more customers or more products that they sell to their advertising customers. You mean like the Moto X and Moto G? Yeah, I mean... dirt cheap. Their unlocked. mobile OS is free. Right, their, which is a whole other discussion. Their mobile hardware is... I mean, in the before Google, it was like Apple versus Microsoft, which was Microsoft winning most of the time in terms of... Sure, especially unless, on the desktop. Unless you're talking about like America high-end customers and Apple's cleaning up but so unless you <laughs> scope the market to the market apple had not the actual well, they do market. well on profit share but um, they do very well on profit i think share. the point is like microsoft was like well we'll commoditize hardware and we'll sell our software for a lot of money or you know a billion times for a little bit of money but we'll right. make money on software we'll commoditize hardware so apple won't be able to compete because they won't be able to be that cheap right and Apple's like, well, we're not going to sell our OS at all. We're just going to give it away only on our hardware right? and price that at a premium. And Google comes in and is like, our software is free and our hardware is cheap. Yeah. So <laughs> screw all and so y'all. So it's like both of your advantages we're trying to commoditize <laughs> and say it doesn't matter. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm not an economist by any stretch of the imagination, but I've heard people make an argument with physical goods – that you can't drive prices down forever. And then the counter-argument to that is you can keep prices relatively consistent if you continue to offer a higher quality or a better service. So a $200 cell phone today in 2014 and a $200 cell phone in 
2004 are not even yeah like, i mean it, it would be like traveling back in time to the stone age and showing them fire so i, I think google's entrance with their commoditize every all the things <laughs> all the things has uh i think it's hurt microsoft more than apple i think apple's still doing okay Yes, I would say that. So, but I or feel it, it seems more threatening to Microsoft right now. Like they're they're scrambling more. Yeah, and you know, I think this all has been an example of how um, easily they've been flummoxed. Flummoxed. <laughs> you can't say flummoxed once. No, you can't. It's it's like one Lay's potato chip <laughs> brought to you by Lay's. Um, so. But I mean, so they had the most dominant operating system in the world. They had the only non-BlackBerry smartphone that anyone cared about because mm-hmm. it was like Palm Trails and stuff. But those were like if you were a nerd were for having a BlackBerry, that sort of were yeah, fun. yeah. So I mean, it wasn't even like a contest. And I knew people who, young people, not just like old business people. I knew young kids who thought Windows Mobile was the greatest thing in the world because they were like, oh. I wish my phone could do blankety blank mm-hmm. and they would write a little script or a little like C plus plus app and then their phone could do that thing. And it was very like hacker movement and all of that momentum just came to a grinding halt. I mean, I don't remember the last time I met someone who was a developer who was like, yeah, I develop only for windows. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, cause nobody does like they've moved mostly to web platforms, right? Well, Which like, is Google's wheelhouse, to be sure. And I, I don't know if it's just hipsters or what, or <laughs> what the culture is, but like, outside of games and like business software, like I feel like the cool apps category has been an OS ten for a long time too. Like yes, if you just definitely want, desktop apps. Yeah, like awesome desktop apps that aren't productivity or gaming yeah. then, and that have really shiny icons then like all those Helvetica thin weight <laughs> <laughs> all that crap startup companies are making Mac apps and <laughs> that's yeah and you know it's funny you should say gaming because if it wasn't for I mean that's the argument right if it wasn't for gaming and Microsoft Office why would you use Windows <laughs> I mean, I, I, every time I talk to someone about a Chromebook, you know, Google's, like, entry into the sort of desktop mm-hmm. space, people are like, oh, well, I could never do without... And then it's like, you could never do without what? <laughs> a web browser? Because that's really yeah, where you... Yeah, I can't you, live without a web browser. Yeah, that's, I mean, even, like, on my phone, I love some of my native apps, but in reality, I could replace most of them with a web browser if I had to even on the phone. <laughs> I mean, I, mobile sites and yeah, I mean, cause that's it. That used to be when I go to, you know, a newspaper website, God forbid, I have to read something on like New York com, and it comes back with like M dot New York com. Not only is that a huge slap in the face that people are still doing that, but at least it like actually resolves to the correct article now instead of just dumping you back on the homepage. Yeah, then you're like, like, well, I'll switch to desktop mode. And it's like, well, here's the homepage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no. Oh, Obligatory that, XKCD. Yeah, that's a nice article you got there. <laughs> Be a shame if you were to end up on the homepage. Yeah, what was that? XKCD server? Yeah, I'm a server. Hi, I'm a server. <laughs> oh, I see that you're a mobile device. <laughs> No, uh, don't. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, you know, this exchange is, um, it was the definition of the mobile web for, like, ever. I mean, it was horrible. So, I like how we started out with the question, could you live without Google, and we've ended up at, yeah, I don't need Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an important point. Yeah, I don't need Microsoft, because I have Google. So, okay, are there think of all the web services you use all of which are probably google plus dropbox right <laughs> could you would you not could you would you replace any of them with microsoft services because i feel like email and calendar kind of go together for some reason yeah, i guess because they're like planning productivity things. i do have to say that the the new outlook at least the o365 version that we get to use for work 
get to get to <laughs> such a privilege is actually pretty great i mean it's not as good i don't like it as much as gmail but yeah well <laughs> it's like it's close enough to gmail that it's like those are great web clients and then there's everything else right and there's the rest of the like world yahoo no see so iCloud's you- okay but not if you want to filter stuff fancy ways <laughs> They haven't nailed that they, down. They have basic <laughs> rules, but you can't do nearly what you can do with Gmail with filtering. So I guess... So we've already established that Microsoft is doomed, apparently. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think without being hyperbolic, they'll be gone in six months. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's unrealistic that... I mean, I, I don't think they're crazy for being so scrambly, because I think... If they realize yeah, they're in big as trouble. As soon as people realize that Google Docs does 99% of what they need to do with a word processor, and yeah. it's just that edge case where you need something more. You know, I, okay, so I actually just had, because apparently this is as much about bashing Microsoft <laughs> as it is about discussing Google, but I just had a discussion with a friend. Um, she's planning her wedding, and she has all this crap in a spreadsheet. Which is fine. Spreadsheets are like the de facto way to organize information, right? So um, I asked her, like, oh, because she was having trouble loading it because she wasn't sure if she had the most recent copy on her laptop because it was on her fiance's laptop. And all of, like, the stereotypical (laughs) SharePointy, is this the most recent checked-in version kind of crap. And I said, why don't you just use Google Docs? Because I know you're both big Google users. And she was like, oh, well, Docs doesn't really do everything I needed to do. Like, yeah, and, right. Well, that, that was where I was like, name something you need to do in Excel. Because she's not a computer whiz. She's not making Pac-Man yeah, happen she, in Excel. Yeah, she's not, it's not the opening to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated through cell color <laughs> changes. So I, I was just, I was like, name something. Some people need that, okay. Well, they do need it, but... <laughs> But that's to waste time at work. When you need to do actual work, you open Google Drive. <laughs> so the I was like, is it macros? Like, what are you doing that requires Excel? Like, where you have to have Excel. Are you doing, like, zillions of calculations yeah. where you need a native app? Yeah, so it turned out she didn't know how to freeze the rows. <laughs> which And so th- my first thought wasn't like, oh, my God, what an idiot. My first thought was like, is that not surfaced well enough in the interface that because it is called something different? I don't remember what it's called in Excel because I try to never open Excel, but it, I think in Excel. <laughs> Why well, you don't want it to ask you about your CSV file and if you should change it uh, every freaking time? Hey, hey, you just saved that. Hey, you want to save it again? It doesn't have a Microsoft extension, so I'm going to act like I don't know what you're doing. It's such a pain, yeah. But yeah, so it it does have a slightly different name. But I looked in Google sheets or whatever the hell it's called and it i mean it's right in the view menu view freeze and then rows mm-hmm. or columns and when i showed her that she was like oh yeah i guess i could be doing the whole thing in here <laughs> and i was like right so there was that one feature which the last time you looked at google sheets must have been like the day it launched because i don't remember it ever not having yeah. that feature Right, so I mean, but that—it's just the inertia for a lot people. of people. Of they're used to the exact path they take to get something done, and yeah, that's like the old '90s joke of if you do like right-click arrange icons on somebody's desktop, they're like, I don't know where anything is now. <laughs> the internet was always third from the left and then two down. Oh man, when you see a desktop hoarder, <laughs> I find that to be a completely unacceptable behavior. I just like, I'm just always happy when I can convert someone to a search, like yeah. whether it's Alfred or just yeah, the built-in, the built-in Windows search, whatever. Yeah, the the Windows just, like, stuff did you know search is actually you, good. Yeah, you can. Do, yeah, and you know, even Windows 8, which I have on my PC at home, just start typing, hit enter, there, yeah, done. Files, programs, but yeah, I um, I I try and live pretty Spartan with physical things mostly because i'm lazy and i don't want to have to like dust and arrange stuff but i'm absolutely like a totalitarian dictator about desktop clutter yeah i don't know where it started when i worked in grad school in tech support i actually 
would get in trouble because every once in a while someone would leave a laptop and I would just, without even thinking about it, like (laughs) while something was loading or a virus scan was running, I would just be staring at their desktop and then right-click arrange icons and my (laughs) boss would be like, why did you do that? That's not your computer. So on on your Mac at work, do you do a snap to grid or arrange? Do you keep anything on your desktop? Uh, I have, so my current desktop has exactly two icons two different text files, neither of which should be there, and I'm actually going to move right now. The, the only thing on my desktop <laughs> is the Carl Sagan image <laughs> that I meant to meme later. Just so you have it at the ready. It's <laughs> a nice hypothesis you got there. <laughs> be a shame if someone were to test it, that one? Yeah, yes. but it's the blank version. Oh, good. The, the as HD as possible one? So yeah, for okay, so so now my desktop is completely blank. So for years, I had a desktop crap folder that <laughs> would just sort of gradually collect stuff. Yep. But ever since Dropbox was a thing, that's now your desktop. Crap no folder. longer. No, there is no desktop crap folder. So, I mean, the desktop can hold stuff if I'm currently working on it. So it's because it's a convenient. It's gone back to, the, to right. put current <laughs> files on, and then you shove all that crap out of the way when you're done so i wonder if you have consciously moved toward a more physical because right because you wouldn't keep everything you own on the top of your desk just what you are currently working on (laughs) right they do but i mean it's so you've mirrored your yeah your physical my actual desk is usually pretty empty more empty than ever before now, but <laughs> <laughs> more empty than ever before. But yeah, it's like I just get antsy if I see crap on the desktop that I'm not working on. I'm like, why is this here? Gone. Yeah, for, <laughs> do I, I still need it later? Okay, put it away somewhere. Do you think it's because of Dropbox? Now, if it's on the desktop, it feels unsafe. Yeah, there's a little of that. Right? Like, it's, it's, it's like, what if I need to access this from somewhere? But else? it's also like. I don't have to put everything in Dropbox because there is transient stuff. Right. And so now it's even more... But, I mean, nothing important can live on the desktop because it's not... Not for long. It's not safe. Not for long. Yeah, it's like, all right, I'm done working on this. i got to move it to the correct place in Dropbox. But, like, you know, so I've been working on the film soundtrack while I just finished it, and we can plug it later. <laughs> but <laughs> just, just do it right now. Come on. No, no, no. We'll talk about it later. But, you know, like, I'm working with a gig or two gig audio project, and I, I don't want that sitting in Dropbox uploading every time I save it. Oh, so okay. I'll work on it outside of Dropbox. But then I've been collaborating on this with my friend Benji in Ohio, so he needs to have that project later, so I'll throw it in Dropbox. Right, so the, it, it really has completely mirrored your face-to-face, where it's like, while I'm working on it, it's on the desk, and then when I'm done, yeah. it gets filed in the correct place. Now, I... I mean, not that this has to be skeuomorphed, because I could just <laughs> pause Dropbox syncing and still just leave it in Dropbox, but... Yeah, but that would interrupt all your other syncing. <laughs> and that's not okay. So I don't know how, how we got here, but... <laughs> I, yeah, so I I do... I am kind of curious about following th- this through, at least partially, because I still have the little screenshot of your, your home screen. So... You said the Outlook web client is not bad. And I agree with you that it's not bad. It's not Gmail. It's like Gmail is in first, Outlook's in like a distant second, and then all the other web clients are like way, yeah, way back there. Like Round um, Cube and Squirrel Mail. And- <laughs> or God forbid, like your uh, your Comcast mail. Uh. <laughs> Every time I've – that's one of those stereotypes I have not yet matured out of. Like – when someone you remember for a while it was like hotmail it's like oh you don't have a hotmail address you gotta have a hotmail address and now it's a gmail address it's like i don't really care what free five megabytes of space. <laughs> <laughs> store up to one file store tens of messages <laughs> so i like if someone uses yahoo mail or outlook or whatever now i don't really care that much if I'm talking to someone and they're like, oh, yeah, just look me up on roadrunner.com. Or, yeah, you, you can find my email address. It's, you know, bob at Comcast. It's got eight numbers. It's not even their name. Yeah, and I'm just like, at comcast.net, 
Are you kidding? And also, if you ever leave Comcast, now you have to tell everyone you've got a new email address. Yeah, one of the amazing things about a digital address is that it can follow you when other things change. Um, which actually, so that that was what I wanted to get to about email. It was a nice little segue that just happened <laughs> completely organically. Um, <laughs> if you gave up Gmail, would you have to find another web client or would you consider just old school IMAP so you have a desktop client of some kind and a mobile phone client of some kind that talk to your IMAP server right because I find that that's um, I that's just, where you lose a lot of people right like they're like yeah. oh I have to I don't know what IMAP is like how it what do you mean I don't just log into my email I just it's really the divide is do I want to pay for this or not? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, okay. <laughs> so that's one divide. The other one is I don't want to run a server. Sure. So, yeah, so it's am I going to use my hosting provider's email? Yeah. Or am I going to Yeah, that's a good cuz that would even lose me. Like, like maybe, I draw the line at running my own email server. Yeah, cuz I just don't want to I don't want to post any. I don't want to <laughs> Spam. I don't want to figure out that whole system. Yeah, it sounds awful. So, and people do that, obviously, but they're techie people that are willing to do that. Damn techies. Um, I don't know. I'd I'd be more likely. I would still maybe I would go back to a domain name like I I used to be Mike at pseudomichael dot com was my email address for a while, and, but didn't use Google Apps on the back. Yeah, it was just an alias over my Gmail. Right. So that's... So even then... Because the idea was to be portable, and then I was just like, eh, screw it. <laughs> it's not that important to me. So that's... I feel like I would... I can't imagine running my own email server, because that's the opposite of my general computing philosophy. Like, the idea... Solved problem. <laughs> yeah. The idea that there's a computer in my house that is the one computer that's responsible for all my data, when I'm not a hardware or a server admin kind of person, seems super dumb. But then to do it right, you would have to invest all the time and money into, like, co-locating stuff in a yeah. place that was backing it up for you and... Exactly. And You'd, and as you said, this is a solved problem. I would rather just pay somebody $5 a month yeah, and just be like, I want email. I'm like, here you go. Here's email. Right? Because, I mean, part of what G- makes Gmail amazing is the client. The fact that it serves emails quickly is not really that unique. Uptime's good. The uptime's good. It's good enough that when it does go down, it's like a catastrophe of the entire universe. <laughs> it is. I love that it, it hasn't happened in a while, mostly because Gmail has such good uptime, but I like that when a Google service goes down, people tweet about it so much it takes Twitter down. <laughs> so there's like splash damage. <laughs> like We're just using tower defense metaphors <laughs> Is that a tower defense? Well, it's term? not just tower defense. Uh, it's I, w- just, I think of that as a D&D term. It's probably yeah. decades predating. Yeah. I, oh, man. Now I'm going to have like a mental cognitive struggle for superiority. Who owns the term splash No, it, I, tower D definitely does not, but it's just where I think of it a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I just, you know, it's funny. Like, oh, uh, our service is so important that it just takes down the rest of the world from the <laughs> complaining about it. It's not like people switch to Twitter to use it as their communication platform in lieu of Gmail. They go to Twitter to be like... <laughs> I do like how... I mean, it's not just a place to bitch, but Twitter is... It's also a place it, to advertise It's stuff. like a, a Wild West support network, or like, you know, you complain about something, and that company, f- to save their own face, will sometimes step in and go... Oh, you got a problem there? Let's fix it. Just so publicly they're seen as fixing things. Yeah, I've had that very experience with several companies. And I hit save, but by the third or fourth time, I was kind of banking on it. (laughs) 
<laughs> like I was like, I have a problem with this, and I don't want to go through the normal channels because they're slow and unresponsive. But if I go stand in the middle of a crowded room and so say, now, Company A is terrible. So now you know we have to link to that woman in an Apple store video <laughs> <laughs> screaming it's, about Apple Care. Yeah, I wish we don't have either of our laptops set up to... Uh, to be mic'd, I would love to because it's short. I would love to just play that audio, but we'll definitely put it. I in mean, the show I notes. could I could put it in the middle of this episode, and then we can pretend to react to it. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was ridiculous. No, that's okay. I'll just. Or, I mean, you could cram it in there. You do the editing, so I don't have the ability. No, I don't to. want to edit anything. <laughs> but I'll definitely put it in the show notes. I've also noticed that um, being able to set your own. So I'm on YouTube trying to grab the link for this. Being able to set your own um, thumbnail for a video, somehow every video on YouTube that's like epic newscaster failure is then a picture of like a 19-year-old blonde girl who's nearly topless. It's like, in what country were you watching the news that this came from? (laughs) Oh, that's actually just a still image that you imported that has nothing to do with the video. It's the uh, it's the visual version of like a link bait title. Like yeah. you won't believe what happens next. Boobs. <laughs> you won't boobs leave what happens. It's just it's. I can't think of any other type of video that does that. Where people are like, no one would say like, here's footage of the Syrian riots, but the cover photo <laughs> is like a guy with a huge joint or something. Like it's it's just good guy Greg, <laughs> just good guy Greg, good guy Greg Syrian riots. Ads custom thumbnail isn't woman in bikini. You know what? This wasn't actually a YouTube video. This was originally a Vine. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's six seconds and oddly cut together. Yes. And then repeats forever, which is, I think when Vine was new, everybody thought that that was hilarious. And now they're like, God damn, this is annoying. (laughs) Why don't you just make it play once? Because you miss it and you want to see it again. No, uh, I don't care for Vine, but the one there is one person on vine that is doing god's work <laughs> <laughs> which is uh adam goldberg the actor and okay no keep keep describing okay anyway i haven't used vine in, since it came out like a year i don't know two years ago when did it come on the scene uh i thought it whatever was last not that year. important yeah anyway not. i installed it played around with it and then you know, promptly forgot about it. Yeah, and then you I got further than I did. Recently reinstalled it on a whim and looked in, and Adam Goldberg has been doing vines for years, and they're really creative. They're insane. They're like all mini short films that you wonder how he he accomplished it, and <laughs> they're wacky. He's been like stringing a story together for like years through, and it's all weird, supernatural ghosts and. Actually, I do recognize him now that I yeah. see him. Well, anyway, if there's anyone that could make a case for the Vine format of like creativity within limitations, it's his Vine account. So I guess this is one of those... Uh, it's like Vine itself is not terrible. It's just that people use it to do really terrible stuff. Like, if you took every drawing done on a white sheet of paper ever, the vast majority of them would be horrible. (laughs) But there are some gems that justify the existence of paper. So if I were going to continue to use Vine and not uninstall it later today, probably, (laughs) I would probably use it just to follow Adam Goldberg. But you can view them on the web, so... Because it's Twitter, right? Doesn't everything just post to Twitter? It doesn't have to post to Twitter, but it's sort of like... Instagram to Facebook, Vine to... Vine is owned by Twitter, though. Yeah, so, or, or they're at least affiliated yeah. somehow. So I think by default it's going to go... Because I'm, I'm looking... So I hate to say this, but in the but show why, notes I had to link to a BuzzFeed article. That bums me out, but... <laughs> oh, man. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm also disappointed. But every single one of these that they embedded in this article is a tweet. Not a single one is actually Vine.com. And I don't know if that's because tweets embed better in a web page. You would think Vine would have... No, Vine's embed just fine. Yeah, so then it's definitely because people 
are following his content via Twitter, but he's using Vine as like a publishing medium. I guess it's just part of the mobile first world of like Vine is a mobile app. Right. There is a way to view it on computers, but it's a mobile app. And Twitter's a little more of also a web <laughs> presence. All, also a thing. So I'm going to have to check those out later, and I really do not want to install and use Vine, chiefly because if I set it up at this point, I'm going to get flooded with, like, dude, did you just get here? (laughs) That is so over. (laughs) So we got horrifically sidetracked again. I want to know. So email. You wouldn't host your own email. No. So check. I I would just switch to something else. So one checkbox checked. I'd either live with iCloud or Outlook or Yahoo. I don't know. (laughs) But, yeah, but not not self-hosting. I I would not self-host. So um, I guess Calendar would probably go wherever your email went, or would you use that as an opportunity to divide them? No, I don't think I'd divide them. Okay. Because you're not like an Apple Calendar guy, right? No, I mean, it'd be fine. I I don't know, like, the filters would bother me losing, like, advanced filters, but I could live with iCloud for email and calendar and whatever else is part of that. Yeah. Reminders, I guess. Yeah. I could, I would just, it would just be a decision, like, I'm moving to that house, and <laughs> after a week I would get used to it. And I don't like it, but here I go. <laughs> it'd be fine, but it, it wouldn't be... As good as Google stuff. So if you... Cause I I'm, actually I'm use iCloud for contacts just because I have an iPhone. Sure. But, I mean, you can use Google contacts, but... Right. So um, things like Drive and Maps and music, like storage and utility solutions, do, would you move to a different silo? Like, would you move to the iTunes? Well, the good news Apple is Maps. the music is there's a lot of competition. Like, I can move to Amazon. I can right. move to so I could just be a Spotify subscriber. Like, yeah, or so, I could pay for iTunes Match, and that would make my library be everywhere. Like, yeah. So then, if you had to leave Google, and that doesn't need to be, for you wouldn't have a problem going to a different siloed universe yeah it'd be fine yeah so i guess then it if would you say the mindset of someone who is like well if i left if i can't be in the red silo i'll just go to the blue silo like that person's not likely to ever leave the red silo right unless things get really bad yeah like if google really starts doing shady underhanded illegal nefarious things why would you uproot your whole life and then not improve your security and autonomy in any way, right? Yeah. So I don't... I mean, I don't see, like, an end to this kind of lifestyle unless they do something really horrible. So music and maps and even to some degree email and calendar, it's it's probably a, a bit easier to uproot and move. But stuff like Hangouts... When you get entrenched with this is how I talk to other people <laughs> to anyone, then and it's not an open protocol like email where it's like I don't care where the endpoint is. It sure. doesn't matter to me. I just fire off and it gets to you. Um, harder to switch, especially on a whim, like to just pinball around. Like friends and family don't put up very well with where do I write you now? That's true. Which one are you on? Like. Even one switch is, like, too much. They're like, no. <laughs> yeah. When I got married and I changed my name, because I'm a modern 21st century man, ladies. Um, I He's married, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I didn't really... In hindsight, that didn't really work. <laughs> um, but hindsight's But I hope 20. Susan comments about this. <laughs> in, uh, but, yeah, so in college... Um, because I, I have an information science in undergrad and then I did the same kind of thing in graduate school and they were really big about like you need to control your identity on the internet like you need to be who you are so that when you inevitably do something stupid there will be more good stuff that you yeah, control yeah when people google stuff. you the stuff you want shows up right so my name is not particularly unique David Lyons is there's like 
thousands of them just in the town I grew up in or in like the the county. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always went by David Paul Lyons because that was unique enough that it was like, oh, if you search for those three names in that order, you'll most likely find me, especially because I was like taking control of my presence online. And then I got married and changed my name and had to go to all of like my tech uh, family and friends <laughs> and be like, hey, uh, that that's not me anymore. And that was a huge problem. I mean, thank God I can funnel multiple email accounts into one place because yeah. I still get email at that address. Oh, I do. Even though, I mean, I haven't used it in two or three years. Because I saw this coming. So, like, before I got married, I already started making the changes. You have, like, like, a new reply to address. And, like, you try to all the passive ways that aren't pulling someone's arm. But then there's also the occasional, like, hey, use this. Hey, can you stop emailing that address (laughs) that I haven't used in four years? That'd be cool. (laughs) And what goes along with it is, do you remember, uh, uh, crap. Do you remember, insert company name. But there was a bunch of company names that I can't think of in, like, the early 2000s, and their promise was magically updated contacts, right? So you knew person A knows person B through this system, Mm -hmm. and then if person B changes their email, person A doesn't ever have to care. Like, your contact list that includes them just updates on its own. But So Facebook? (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. But it was it was a contact list only service. I think they ended up getting bought by AOL, the one I'm thinking oh, great. of. Yeah, so it's I mean it was dying and then they bought it and just It's killed like it. this car isn't working well. Let's get on the Hindenburg. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anybody who was boarding the Hindenburg was like, I'm gonna commit suicide by dirigible. It was their, their intention was to, to make it. And I assume when a company gets bought by AOL, their intention is to make it, but you should really know better. No, they're cashing out. <laughs> nah, man, I'm done. Just, just write me a check. But so the problem with that service was it doesn't do any good unless everyone's using it. So now instead of telling people, oh, I updated my phone number, or I updated my email address, you have to tell them, oh, can you... Can you please now use this contactless service? Seventy-five to ninety-nine percent of people, right? I mean, the promise of it is really good, unless you take human behavior into account. It's like communism works great on paper, but since no human being group of human beings actually function that way, not so much. That's why I always laugh in office environments when people are like, "What if we all paid for coffee collectively?" <laughs> And I'm like, so get ready for a lot of people not to pay and to still drink the coffee. Yeah, and then it's for be awesome. And then for the people who do pay, every time, to get super bitter, super bitter, and then there'll be like increasingly like Stanford Prison Experiment, <laughs> like rules and like petty, like, well, you can't have any free lunch because you didn't pay for coffee. <laughs> Just, it, what does it say about Stanford that if you type Stanford into Google? The first autocomplete is Stanford football, and the second one is Stanford Prison Experiment. <laughs> it's like, oh, what's your school known for? Oh, well, back in the 60s, we let our students imprison and beat each other. <laughs> well, we dressed some up as cops and some as prisoners, and they instantly played the role and started being cruel to each other. <laughs> so when you think cruelty, think Stanford. <laughs> so, yeah, I... I mean, I don't. I don't want to name any. I don't want to throw any offices under the bus. But have you worked any? We did it here. That's okay. So at our current job, we had <laughs> we had the coffee experiment, and then actually, it was going on for a long time before I started working here. And then, and I made the exact same cracks about communism. I was just like, <laughs> "This is a nice experiment, guys. I'll see you when you quit." <laughs> yeah, when you're ready to walk to Starbucks again because this completely fell apart, I'll get my jacket and we can go. <laughs> So it, it's just, are, are people just terrible? Like, is that it? Like when given autonomy and, and, um, anonymity, is this, is, is the coffee in your office, well, the YouTube of culture? See, I wonder how much of a problem it would be if it was like 
a pre-tax deduction from your paycheck of like opt into the coffee program that was exactly what i suggested like that would work because if people really didn't want to pay they would get out of that and then you would just be left with hey stop drinking our coffee yeah i guess it's um i think the problem the more i'm thinking about it is it's that the coffee the like the collaborative coffee thing is meant to be like a commune right like it is communism like from each their ability to each their need like do you need two cups of coffee today that's okay you can have two because you paid into the system we're subsidizing you right (laughs) but what it should be especially in an office environment where most people tend to drink coffee and it doesn't cost a lot so the the organization putting in a few dollars would benefit everybody's like general office happiness it should be like the museum donation box so it's like if you take coffee or if you take sugar packet or something like maybe kick some change in there There needs to be like a square reader though sure yeah some kind of near field like tap (laughs) right but i mean not just the kind of money but it's like hey if you drink coffee all the time maybe slide your card and once a week and donate two or three bucks but really the office is going to pay for it no matter what (laughs) like i just i feel like that would actually work because then people would be like oh my organization is doing something thoughtful to benefit me do you really think that would work (laughs) i feel like i've walked into museums in those plexiglass boxes are not empty but that's like the tip jar you gotta prime it you gotta put a bunch of cash in there so people think people are giving yeah i mean i've worked in a coffee shop for a lot of years in college and we always prime the tip jar a little but people then tipped so it wasn't just like at the end of the day i took my own money back out of the tip jar and i mean it it's a wash right because either you have a company that spends a little bit of extra money on something that makes their employees happy or you have the employees get bitter and angry (laughs) with each other because i mean so we discontinued that months ago and every once in a while i still hear someone say like you know oh it was nice when we had the communal coffee it's like (laughs) well you ruined it i mean i don't drink coffee so i don't feel bad i don't either i never contributed but i never took anything so i never felt bad about it but the people i hear complain about it are the very people who ruin the system and i don't think this has a lot to do with google this has everything (laughs) to do with google so we're actually we're coming up we got 10 minutes if we're doing an hour. <laughs> yeah, it, so I was thinking, so let, let's just air our, our laundry out on the air here. Um, so next week, um, I'm indisposed. So, yes, indisposed. I have a, an important appointment at our normal uh, recording time. The dentist, we. Why are you ruining this? Uh, I'm just going to have someone else come in. <laughs> going to have a guest host. Um, that actually would be kind of cool. But who could possibly take my place? Almost anyone. Damn it. <laughs> so, um, but I think, so we're going to record two today, right? And then, yep. And then release them as if it had been recorded in the future. And you know what's going to happen is tomorrow morning, some huge story that we definitely want to talk about. So just know that we're purposely ignoring that big story. Yes. That big story is not as important as you think it is. Um, but we do have some follow up, follow up. We need like a follow up music noise or like a, like a chime, like a, so before we get to shot and fried, <laughs> I'm going to make you do that. Cause that, I can't read any of those words. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, I have to bring up the Giver again. Just to say, the only piece of follow-up I have, and maybe you have something else, but just your friend Joe already knowing about the movie. But <laughs> um, Well, I guess two things. One thing is it's on YouTube with subtitles in another language, but it's on YouTube. And in one clip. Not yeah. like the Giver Part One, the Giver Part Two. And so, if we can work the technology out, we might try to set up a hangout, a live flipping tables, MST3K style <laughs> session of just going through the Giver. Yes, and I love this idea. Second piece of follow up is I was. It's been so long since I saw <laughs> it because I was a kid. I think I saw it like whenever it was on VHS after it came out. Yikes. 
Um, I thought Mark Hamill was the guy in the suit, and the cover of the movie <laughs> makes it look like he's the guy in the suit. Yeah. But the, he's the not. The cover is basically the cover of Face Off. <laughs> so because the other face is a suit that exactly lines up with his face, <laughs> it really is like a RoboCop half split. Like, oh, I get it. He's, you know, Peter Weller's the guy in the suit. <laughs> but Mark Hamill is probably eighth or ninth on the cast list. <laughs> he's a CIA agent. He's, I mean, he's and more. He has a mustache. He's more than a bit part, but he is not one of the main actors by any means but that says to your childhood sensibilities at the time you remembered luke skywalker like well that's the only reason i wanted to see the movie exactly like that's what stood out to you even though he had a bit part he wasn't the main character you're like yeah but it had so oh so who's in that movie luke skywalker it was terrible but it had luke skywalker in it so i guess thumbs up to mark hamill for his rememberability because who the hell played the guyver you don't know could you tell me without looking at the imdb article nope Nope. uh yeah and then i guess my only follow-up on the guyver was i mentioned it offhandedly to my friend joe and he was like oh yeah i know that movie like as if like i had mentioned the godfather like oh yeah I was like, what do you mean, oh yeah, this was a terrible (laughs) movie made shortly after you were born. Oh, the other piece of awesomeness is The Giver 2, David Hayter. Yes. So voice of solid snake. Yes, the voice. I don't. I don't. As far as I'm concerned, he has no other career. Like that's. (laughs) Oh, he wrote the screenplay of the first X Men. Don't care. (laughs) Yes. That actually was really. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The first X-Men movie? Yeah. Huh. I mean, I believe you, but that's... He also... It's an unbelievable He also worked on one or more of the drafts that became the Watchmen movie. Huh. So, he... (laughs) I mean, that's great, but (laughs) is like, I was introduced to him as the voice of Solid Snake. I know. And I guess I kind of have a bias against voice actors and I assume that acting and voice acting must be all he did so he is he basically has the Mark Hamill curse right like when I see (laughs) him I think of only this one character that he did so he has to be behind the camera doing work because if I see him I'm going to be like oh it's Snake it doesn't help in the Giver that your most cinematic moments are in a full body suit where people can't see you at all which you know in the at least in Iron Man they can go in the suit and show you. Yeah, in the '90s, I was going to say that exact thing. In the '90s, it was like you needed an actor who could also play the character with the mask off or the suit off or whatever. But now, since everything's all CGI, it's like we'll just stand there <laughs> with your arms kind of out, and we'll make epic action happen around you, and then we can actually show your face. I mean, Iron Man's a good example because there's a lot of scenes that are like the Les Mis movie where the camera is right in Robert Downey, so close to his face you can't even see his ears. Like, it's right up his nose. And, I mean, you would never do that without the little HUD, right? Yeah. So, like, I'm I'm gesturing, listeners, around my face. <laughs> but, like, right? Like, if it wasn't, like, the little eye-tracking thing and the little phone call of him calling Pepper Potts when he thinks that it's all over, right? Like, you would never show the inside of Spider-Man's mask. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one needs a full-screen close-up of Tobey Maguire sweating. It's just, like, fogging up the, ca- <laughs> right? the virtual camera. Just, and- just him nervously sweating, <laughs> wiping his greasy hair out of his face. Like, it that works only with Iron Man or maybe Cyborg. Anyone it, with a, a HUD. Yeah. So our other piece of follow up was <laughs> our question Smash about <laughs> Schadenfreude and Malice. Is it so? Is it Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude. Well, okay. My only association with people actually saying this word is the musical Avenue Q, where they pronounce it Schadenfreude. You're probably right. It, Avenue Q is not really a reputable <laughs> source. Oh, great. It's a f- that was a... 
Could you have done that earlier when we were talking about YouTube videos? It's not being recorded, what okay. we just heard. <laughs> okay, so we in our phones just heard... What was that? Was that... That was from Wikipedia. They had a listen link. So schadenfreude. Okay, thank you, Wikipedia. So that awkward moment of stunned <laughs> silence. Was, yeah, all right, cool. So yes, it is schadenfreude. And I'm actually, I'm going to put the Avenue Q song in the show notes while you talk about this because okay. it's amazing. So we were talking about enjoying bad things like the movie The Room or whatever <laughs> else last week was on that topic. And uh, I didn't know if schadenfreude involved malice or if it was just a, a pure, in a vacuum, enjoyment of... <laughs> the failings of something else like there's there's a satisfaction in the lack of quality or the stumbling of someone or something and our our friend from germany matt duncan our bilingual (laughs) german english listener had this to say and he also left this comment if you want to believe me that he left this comment <laughs> you can go to our website flippingtablespodcast.com you're so untrustworthy <laughs> with your made up comments Yep. He, he said you can have schadenfreude without malice it's just the pure enjoyment of the failure or misfortune of others for schadenfreude with an extra pinch of malice you'd want to use the word hemme which I'm probably butchering. Probably. I don't think we have a special word for the enjoyment of something for its low quality of trashiness. In fact, we mostly, we mostly use the word trash. But luckily, inventing new words is pretty easy, so I'd go with shungenis. Okay. <laughs> that one will be written where people can so, read it. Shund, like deprecatingly, something that is artistically worthless, inferior. Yeah, and then... The, the end, I guess, is like enjoyment of yeah. So yeah, so that's trash enjoyment. Yeah, for anyone who who doesn't isn't like a linguist. Um, in English, we tend to make up BS all the time, like truthiness. Stephen Colbert's word that actually got into neologisms. The dictionary. Yeah, but in portmanteaus, <laughs> is it? That's another word that I see, almost never hear but see in writing all the time. Like webinar is a, a yeah. portmanteau. Right, right, exactly. But in uh, German is a, a language that has compound words. I don't know if you call that a compound language. But like, so you, it's a language where you can make new words by putting words together. And you're not just being an idiot like you are in English. Like that's actually the way the language functions. Mm-hmm. Um quick little like fun fact um (laughs) have you heard the old joke um that eskimos have like a hundred words for snow yeah yeah i didn't know that was a joke i thought that was just a fact well (laughs) yeah okay so but it's like a stupid fact right like oh there it's because i always heard it like their whole life is snow they have descriptions of kinds of snow but i always heard it in like a pejorative way like they have no, they have a hundred words for snow, but no word for some super common thing. Like they have a hundred words for snow, but no words for s- happiness. Or, s- or it was we have f- one word for love, and Greek has four, right? Or whatever. Well, uh, the Inuit language is a compound language, so they actually only have one word for snow. But if it's um, like melting snow or but their main language is modular so they can just bring in yeah it is exactly so like if it was melting snow or yellow snow like those look like two we have adjectives for that yes exactly i guess that's really what i'm I'm getting out of my depth of linguist ability but i i guess that's the difference is like they make compound words we have adjective followed by noun we're describing um but yeah so they actually only have one word for snow then they use their compound thingy, all German style. Okay. So I appreciate um, a new word being invented in response to our confusion about Schadenfreude. People should always change their language to suit my needs. <laughs> and there you have it. Yeah. So we're, we're at about an hour, so where can people find you? People can find me uh, at Lions in Beta. On Twitter, linesinbeta.com, linesinbeta, most places. I think we've established a trend now of you about to complain about PseudoMichael. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at pseudomichael.com or on Twitter, I'm <laughs> at M. Edwards Music. So we know you're out there at PseudoMichael. Give up the ghost. 
Who's <laughs> asking him to die? Yes. Because I think Twitter retires accounts. So <laughs> that's why. Okay. Yeah. As long as there's a good reason. Yeah. So yeah, this is uh they could find you can find all the show notes. Um there's some cool stuff in here, that horrible BuzzFeed article that I apologize for. Um a link to uh, the Gmail man Scroogled video, which is actually funny. Um, it's just in really poor taste. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's a funny video. It's just really crappy advertising from their computer. And they're, they're just wrong. <laughs> and and I ha- yeah, they're completely wrong. And uh, I did link to the IMDb for Detective Detective Detective, the movie you uh, did yes. the soundtrack for. Um, so go check that out. Uh, I'll, I'll plug it more on next week's episode. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, so flippingtablespodcast.com slash 004 for the show notes. Yes. So have a good week, Mike. I definitely won't talk to you in 30 <laughs> seconds. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye.